Welcome to the Cinema Draft Podcast, presented by DraftStream, a discussion show about movies, gaming, and the unexpected cultural detours that color our life. Please enjoy your stay and enjoy the show. Back, it's your boy Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the great Cinema Draft and Draft Stream Games, where daily fancy sports meets the movies. It is my pleasure, my esteemed privilege and honor, to welcome our podcast virgin, young babe in the woods, projecting all of that excellent Zoomer Zennial energy. A woman precisely half my age. Wow, the Baranski slack. That's right. It is Steph Torres. Hello. So I'm little Stevie. All right. So <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah, our Andy Cohen inspired Watch What Happens Live style drinking game tonight shall be the word Latinx. Did I say that right? I think so. All right. Yes. I never know quite how to say that, but yeah, I think it's Latinx, right? Uh, every <laughs> time you want to say this word, take a sip of what you're sipping, because tonight's pod will end up covering our favorite Latinx movies from the good old US of A. Fun. I'm yes. drinking a Puerto Rican beer. Oh, oh okay. Episode. Yeah. So um, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. You know, libations. You know, we got our adult beverages going. I'm, I'm with it. I am so with Heck it. Heck yeah. Right? Yeah, let's do this. Uh, so first thing, and you know, as you're well aware, I'm sure by now, this is the show with no segues. So where it? And of course, I can't find there. There it is. <laughs> the air horn. The signature air horn. So this is usually when I ask people to tell me something good, but damn it, we've had one hell of a week. I don't know about you, but I and actually I talked to my therapist today. I was like, this week just fucking sucked. <laughs> my therapy now, is tomorrow. <laughs> hey, 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 you know, self-care in the house, high five. All right. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's been a lot. The old ugly convention politics, the protests, you know, wave of famous black men dying. It, it has been a lot. So instead of telling me something good, you know, and Actually, you being on this pod is something great because this is officially our first all Latinx yeah. pod. Nice. Oh, no, not counting the draft mom, of course. She, mm. she knows. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. we'll actually get to her in, in a, little, a little bit later. Ooh. So, so basically, tell me what are what are some of the ways that you cope in this the darkest of timelines, Steph? Um, okay, so I saw this question on the outline, which you sent me, and I appreciated because I really tried to take the time to think about what would be helpful for people. So I guess my my first thing is just create something. Like, it's anything. So for me, I like, like to bake. I really like baking. I like to bake for my family. Um, it's something what do you I... Bake? Anything. I bake croissants. I bake cakes. I bake. Um, I got into sourdough, of course. Oh, God, everyone's doing sourdough now. In the, yeah. In the quarantine project. Yeah. <laughs> um, my sourdough starter is called the Yeasty Boys after, of course, the Beastie Boys. Um, so just anything creative in that sense and anything um, meditative. So just losing myself in a recipe, kneading some dough really just brings me to the moment and like has all my focus on something that isn't this dark timeline 
um, is really hands. good. Yeah, getting your hands. Inside. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, um, what else? And that's that's real baking too. I mean, I, I actually like to bake, but I'm very much like a from the box baker. Like I might oh. add a little <laughs> splash of vanilla here or try something you know funny yeah. there, but I'm not going to be kneading dough. So you know, you're you're <laughs> the real you're the real baker of the house. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything goes. If it's from a box, that's fine. Um, but just, yeah, getting, create something, make something for yourself and for your family um, really helps. Okay. Um, what else did I have? Oh, I listen to, I have a record player. I like to listen to vinyls. That's oh. also so, um, something kind of meditative. Just You old soul, you. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, you're, I mean, I'm 44, you're 22, you're exactly half my age. Mm. I find it wild that we're friends because you're one of my favorite people in the Brancy Slack. Keep mm -hmm. it 100. You have all this great, you know, energy and stuff. And I'm not, and it's not like one of those where, you know, you keep me young per se, but I always like to get an insight on what, what y'all mm -hmm. think. So, so I appreciate the energy. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I have a bunch of records. I have like over a hundred or something. So just choosing one, cleaning it, putting it on, listening to it. And then, you know, the process of just turning around and putting it back is also something very meditative that I like. A quick um, cultural cul-de-sac. What are your top five records? Ooh, okay. That's probably the ones that I own. Very high fidelity here. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably all of my salsa um, records. So I have a Willy Colon album called... Um, the Fugitive, I'm blanking on the word for fugitive in Spanish. Okay. Um, the Fugitive, I have a new um, Ismael Rivera album called The Keys of Tradition. He's also a really old school um, salsero from um, Puerto Rico that mm. I love. Yeah. Um, let's see, let me do something not in Spanish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really love my Fleet Foxes album. Um, Helplessness Blues. They're kind of like an indie multi-instrumentalist band. Okay. Um, what else do I have? I have this Al Green album, like a live Al Green album that I really like. Um, what else is that for? What's my fifth one? Oh, jeez. Um, I have a mini Ripperton album that I love. Oh, okay. Um, my yeah, Maya's, Maya, Maya Rudolph, yeah. Yeah, her mom. Um, I'm trying to remember the album name, but I guess it's like the classic, most famous one of her albums. Um, the cover is of her in like some overalls having like an ice cream cone, and she has like beautiful big hair. On the cover. Yeah. So, yeah. Look at you all the first stuff. Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah you're, you're more cultured than I am. Hell, I mean, I, you know, my music tastes are trash. That can be enough for another podcast, yeah. but you know. Don't stop That's getting it part of my cultural lexicon. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and if all this fails, I just spend time with my nephew, Benji. I think I mentioned him in the Slack before. He's 11 months old. I love him. Like, he could always put a smile on my face. So, uh, Kids. So yeah. pure, so innocent. I know. <laughs> for now. Yes, uh, and I'm sure he'll be a wonderful, you know, young man. But yes, that that that's great. Kids are kids are great. Mm -hmm. And there's our non segue. All yeah. right, so we are now into one of my favorite segments, and I shall share my screen. And it is what we're watching. Yes, yes. All right. So first thing. I'm watching, let me share my screen and bring it up for you all, 
is knots and crosses. It's you. You actually will find this in the talent pool this week. And this is the one, and I think someone shared a link to the trailer in the Slack, and I, I dug it. This is the one where basically imagine if uh, Europe was conquered by an African colonial power. Oh, and yeah. It's just, and it, first of all, I mean, just that idea alone, I mean, you have me hooked. It's alt history. I love me some alt history. Uh, it's amazing high concept it, with the Romeo and Juliet uh, love story at the center, which is kind of cool. And it's adopted apparently from a YA novel or a set of novels. Ooh, okay. So, yeah, and and actually, that's partially it's. I mean, well, not so much it's downfall. That's part of it's the the sticking point with me where where it kind of holds back its greatness. Not saying that YA novels are bad or can't be great or whatever. I mean, I saw the Hunger Games movies; they're great, all the good stuff. Whatever. The only the problem with this is that it seems like if I feel like if it had more production values along the lines of say Brave New World, where that thing would like. A, a billion bucks and 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 the, the the ideas and concepts they were dealing with were, were pretty strong and it's decent performances what have you i feel like if it had that kind of production effort and also story effort i'd be a little more invested in it i mean it's still a very brit efficient model six episodes in and out i think i'm on episode nice. five yeah exactly in there you know Love and that. Like all killer no filler to keep the plots moving uh and i, I appreciate that but i think that uh i don't know i i feel like it probably could have gone a little little stronger way some of the stuff feels kind of like trekly if you you know mm. get what i'm saying like, and then the, the opening credits are just i mean just trashing the whole like slow-mo white on black hands it's like is this the 80s <laughs> what, what, what are we what are we doing here so about the way, for, the, for the concept alone steph you should check it out okay yeah and because it's six episodes I probably will. There you go. There you go. If yeah. I'm being honest, yeah. The, the the Brits, they they keep you, you know, hopping from one show to the next. I love it. And this guy, you know this guy from Timeless? No. Did, did you watch Timeless? No, I did not watch Timeless. Oh, such a great show. Uh, this like guy, his side profile looks familiar. I don't know. Yeah, he uh his name is Patterson Joseph. He was kind of like the well, I don't know. He, uh, we couldn't quite tell if he was like the big bad or not one of the seasons, but Timeless had like three kind of abortive seasons, really. And it's one of those shows where it's like time travel, but also, you know, when they go back in time and alter something, they'd slightly alter the future too. So it's both time travel and alt history. Ooh, so, okay. Yeah, enjoyed that. He's really good in this. Um, and the rest of them are British actors of which I don't know. She's gorgeous. She's, she's doing oh, yeah. a good job as well. And then, and then Helen Baxendale, I've seen a bunch of stuff too. So it's a good show. Mm -hmm. I, I recommend it. Uh, that's nice. the first thing I'm watching. The other thing I'm watching is Class Action Park. Oh. <laughs> Have you seen this, Steph? No, but I've just seen all the content our Slack has generated about it. Man. <laughs> so for those who aren't aware, it's on HBO Max. I, I highly recommend you check it out. It's about a deadly uh, fun theme park in Vernon, New Jersey, or what that was in Vernon, New Jersey, that was right. popular in the 70s and the 90s. And the reason why I call it Class Action Park is it's called Action Park, but they are getting like upwards of 50 injuries a day. They oh, had to have like their own little like injury shed. Uh, they had to buy their own ambulance because the city of Vernon was like, you know, tired of your, your shit. You know, stop sending no. us, like, stop, you know, getting the ambulance over there like 10 times a day. It's, it's nonsense. 
I mean, and just how wild was this was this uh, theme park? They had this this uh, water slide that went into a loop de loop. <laughs> no way. Yes, and and it was angled, and you had in the angle, so you went at like maximum speed, and then Holy you, crap. you could you know scoot right through the loop de loop, oh whatever, to the, to the point where someone someone on camera said, you know, <laughs> he said, "There's only two places. Uh, there's only two places a civilian can experience nine Gs." Backseat of an F fourteen in an action park. Oh so my god! They were they were wild. They were they were they were wild. And they, you know, shady businessmen creating shell companies for fake insurance. Yeah, I mean Donald Trump Oof. was thinking about uh, investing in the in the the park, but found the park was too wild for him. So oh yeah. my god! This movie's this movie's great. I, I enjoyed. It. Actually, I think oh it did goodness. pretty well in the game last week as well. So class nice. action. Yeah, what are you watching, Steph? Um, I've been watching a lot, actually. I was thinking of making a list, and I'm kind of proud of myself for all the content I am enjoying. So hey, it's quarantine, let's baby. go you through this. And yeah. watch or <laughs> so I'm currently watching Lovecraft Country with my mom, actually. Okay. Um, what do you think I kind of love it. I'm kind of into it. the The pilot was really good. I really love the um, just the audio overlays of James Baldwin and just those anachronistic um, needle drops. Um, the two leads are beautiful to look at, so oh. like that's fine. Like that's fine with me. Journey um, Smollett <laughs> and Jonathan Majors, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Journey Smollett. Um, yeah. What else? So my mom isn't really the type to go into these things with me like horror and magic but she is kind of like okay i'll go along with this with you um the last last episode i i feel like you didn't like it and you're out on it right i am i am out the second episode so my my issue was that it seems like it's a different show every week and Mm -hmm. that might be part of its appeal or charm but i'm not really like uh an anthology type person and i'm definitely not a horror person they lean Mm -hmm. hard into the horror in the in the latter part of the second episode and, and throughout the entire third episode, so so I'm out. Uh, but I appreciate what they're trying to do. Yeah, style. yeah. I'm also not a horror person, and I'm surprised at how much I'm liking liking this um, show. The last episode really like leaned into the genre and then the tropes, and I feel like that just made me have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate that, and I'm not gonna kind of... I could I could watch the show just for her costuming. I mean, oh hell yeah! yeah. It, I mean, it's incredible. Like someone should be like Emmy nominated next year for this stuff. Like, yeah, seriously. I think someone sent like an article on the Slack about the fashion and like the clothing <sighs> design on in this show, and it's really a one. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh-huh. Lovecraft Country. Um, yeah. Anything else? I'm. I gotta finish for all mankind on Apple TV. Oh, I, think I, have, I know. Love that show. I love I, that show. I think I have like two episodes left. Um, the production value is super high. It's wonderful yes. to look at. Um, we're both into um, alt histories and stuff, and I really love space. So it's yeah. a fun ride for me. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, cape up for space, damn it. No, mm-hmm. I mean people, I mean, it's not just the playground for, for billionaires and, and yeah. idiot presidents. No, space is cool, damn it. It's for the every woman too. <laughs> um, what else? I just started succession. Oh um, I'm literally how far are you? I'm literally on episode two. Like it's 
that's like I'm calling that my palate cleanser after Lovecraft Country. Just that's so I can you. Laugh. you have help now. You have help with people in in, in the Bransky Slack who oh, are yeah. coaching you on, egging you on yes. stuff like that. We didn't Shout have help when it was oh. coming on, so I found the first three episodes. Like I was, I was almost out after the third episode. If you believe really? that, because these guys were so unlikable. Like, I, I oh see, yeah, I can see the craftsmanship. Like the writing is is top notch. But there was, I mean, especially, you know, pre-pandemic, I was, you know, I mean, why would I care much about these rich white assholes? But it really makes a, a turn in, in episode four. So if you're not already in or you're kind of wavering or you're like, eh, it's all right, mm-hmm. uh, just stick with it. It gets okay. so much better. Like the last six episodes of that first season are probably the best TV I watched that entire oh, wow. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I'm just kind of laughing at all this rich white people nonsense. Like that is what, <laughs> I'm in it for um, shout out to the whole slack to me to Harry to Christine to KSK they're just always on my live um, live reaction threads and they're just like yeah like this is super funny like I love them for it so they're helping me get through this Um, so yeah and Karen Copeland definitely earned his Emmy nomination I mean he's he's on one he is. Sure. You haven't even seen the like the little little you know uh, slap fight with the sister or whatever at the hospital. That's just yes, like that's yes, just like one eat yeah an adult like slap fight with your sibling. Come on, I mean, and they're and they're, and they're like you know heirs to billions too. It's like what are you doing? You but no, it, it's just it gets more and more ridiculous. I promise you, he really Perfect. leads into it as it goes on. Love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah look, look at that face. It's just like what the fuck. <laughs> that's just so good yeah i'm just laughing at all their nonsense like they are extremely unlikable characters but it's whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what else have all right, I give me one more give me one more um oh i saw moonstruck recently on... oh moonstruck snap out yeah. of it yeah um what um when did we i when did i watch it i don't know a while ago I think it was because it got on the Criterion channel and it was on HBO and we did like a oh, watch party on the Slack. So, you're so cultured, Steph. Um, I know. I really read a book but next time you're going to be on the Devouring show. everything. Um, Cher, icon. Nicolas Cage, icon. Yes. Um, just really, it's kind of like the, the story is kind of like an opera in the way. Just a lot of hand waving at things. The last 15 minutes just like tie it up really nicely. And I mean, Cher is beautiful and she is just going for it. And Nicolas Cage is just going for it. So why not? Um, yeah, it was good. I'm enjoying yeah, it. Old, old New York too. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, why not? All right. Excellent. Well, let's move on to our next segment. The main segment, the reason why we're here, it is our top five American Latinx movies. And for those of you who are new to the show or the program, let me remind you how the rules of our little uh, game works. We name, one of us names a movie that features or centers the American Latinx experience. And actually, a little backstory. Actually, throughout, since this is our first all Latinx pod, I was very excited. I'm like, yes, it's Latinx movies. And Ooh. then I'm like, no, that's way too broad. <laughs> I mean, in our, in our backgrounds, if you can't tell, I'm half Panamanian. Steph, you are? I'm Colombian. 
Yes. Actually, and my mom told me so. And I, when I was talking to, to my mom the other day about you coming on the show, and I mentioned that you're a Colombian, she's like, oh, yeah, Colombia used to, used to own Panama or something. I'm like, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we have, we have like, I mean, down the line, we might be semi related or loosely neighbors. Or who knows? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's wild. So, so we restricting it to just like, you know, the, the Latino American experience, something that takes place either in America or deals with Latino Americans. We alternate picks. Once someone picks a movie, that movie is out of play. And as you are our guest, the podcast virgin, they go first. Um, thank you. Um, my first pick is a documentary, actually, if that's okay. Okay. Um, it's called Yo no me llamo Rubén Blades, or uh, My Name Isn't Rubén Blades. It's on HBO. Um, okay. It's about... My name isn't... My name isn't Rubén um, Blades. Rubén Blades, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, I might be stepping on your lane, but he's a um, he's from Panama. He's a salsa <laughs> legend, an icon. Okay. Um, he recorded with Fania... Um, Oh, Ruben Blades is not my name. Yeah, Ruben okay. Blades is not my name. Sorry, I was trying to find it so I could put it up on the screen. Okay, there we go. All right. Yeah. Um, he's great. He's a Panama legend, a salsa legend. He um, came to the States when he was like 18. He started um, working for Fania, which is um, a record company in the 70s and the 80s, in the 60s and the 70s, um, just doing pure salsa in um, New York. And he was working as like a male, like working in the mail room. And one of the producers either heard him listening to the guitar, heard him playing the guitar or like just read some of his lyrics and was like, you need a deal with this record company now. And, you know, he just became um, a great salsa legend. And he, they did a lot of interviews with um, a bunch of other artists. He was also in, the Walking Dead, like he's been, he has like a lot of hands and a lot of bowls. Like he's done some movies. He yeah, was like, I, like that face looks familiar. So yeah. yeah, he was the minister of like tourism in Panama. He has a law degree from Harvard. Jeez. Um, Sting calls him the intellectual man's salsa singer because he all of his songs are really just about social issues mm. and. Honestly, he's amazing. I feel like everyone should watch. Just try to, you know, get more cultured. Ruben Blas is definitely a prominent figure in my, like, music education. And, like, when I was younger, just all my family would be listening to Ruben Blas, Willy Colon, Hector Lavoe, just a lot of... I guess my family is just really into old-school salsa. And just learning more about him outside of the salsa world was really cool. Might be a superfluous question, but do you salsa dance? Yes, I do. Ah, all right. So once yeah. this pandemic crap is over and, <laughs> and you know, the company up and running, I'm able to travel freely again. There's a salsa dance with your name on it, sister. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. I, I got into it um, heavily. Uh, well, I guess varying to be heavily. It wasn't like professional or anything, but I really mm-hmm. loved doing it like two or three times a week when nice. I lived in Southern California. Um, I was taking little lessons or whatever. And then occasionally we'd go out to like, a, they take us out to like a bonfire club in like Orange County. We're just like, 
wall to wall Latinos and just dancing nice. and music and you know and it's just I mean it's I I don't listen to it as much as I should these days but I do like it I miss it I mm-hmm. definitely probably need a you know a whole new course to relearn my steps because a lot of pressure on the guys we have Ooh. to lead we need to know all the moves so yeah <laughs> y'all can just follow and add flair so yeah <laughs> yeah that's it. Well, that's a great first pick, and I'm actually gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt this movie out. This is, he sounds fascinating as hell. I mean, yeah, he's really cool. I didn't realize how, like how um, how outside the music world he's been involved in. So that was really cool um, learning about it. Okay, excellent. Well, my first one, I'm taking this off the board quick. You know what it is, Selena. That's, yes, this is right there. Waiting. Yes, I left that for you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Although I thought my list would be shorter than it was, but I've, I've got some backups. So, you know, nice. don't, 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 you know, don't have to, 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 uh, let, let the host win the game. All right. <laughs> go, go ahead, you know, you know, go for what you know. But yes, yeah, Lena, for obvious reasons, one of probably Jennifer Lopez's, uh, breakout acting performance. Yeah. Uh, 97. Yeah. This is before the whole out of sight and everything. This is the one that really kind of put her on the map as an actor. And it's just, I mean, it's just a, a, a great performance, you know, a sad tale of how this, the singer was, you know, stalked and, and, and eventually, you know, murdered by a fan or what have you. But, you know, Edward James almost. But, I mean, look at these costumes and stuff. Yeah. It's just a very, very famous Tejano singer. Yeah. Yes, yes. Tejano. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Selena, what more needs to be Love said? <laughs> legend. Yeah, legend. All right. So, uh, oh, go ahead. No, yeah, J Lo is just amazing in it and really exudes star power. <laughs> a little young slightly. <laughs> That's so cute. All right, so what's your next film? Um, my next film is Real Women Have Curves. Ah, almost by, oh, I saw ooh, by um Patricia or directed by Patricia Cardoso. Um okay. it stars America Ferreira. Um, yes. she's like really young in this. I, I don't know if it's her first role. But she's great in it. It's about um, Anna, played by America um, Ferreira. And she just graduated high school and she has to make the decision of whether or not to go to college or to stay at home and work in a dressmaking factory for her older sister to help, um, just to help pay the bills for her family. And um, you just see a lot of that push and pull of, you know, the old school traditional immigrant mother trying to keep her daughter in that, you know, in that secluded and with her family instead of, you know, letting her roam free and do her thing. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. America Ferreira does an excellent job. She's just so natural and sweet. And um, it was a really good watch. Yeah, and actually, I've, I've seen it the one time, um, I think, on video shortly after it came out. So I really don't remember much of it, except that, like you said, America Ferrer was great. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I, oh gosh, she's so young. I know. She's so young. She's yeah. so young. It's so kinda, you- she's kind of, I'm not sure, well, maybe less so much you because, you know, uh, of the age difference, but I, I kind of, I wouldn't say grew up with her, but I, she feels like one of those actors who I've seen, you know, grow in mm-hmm. the industry. Because she did this, she did a couple other things, then she hit, uh, she, then she got a hit with Ugly Betty. Ugly Betty was great. It was kind of a low-key, you know, uh, pop culture uh, mini phenomenon. And and then 
you know, just to see her as like an adult now, it's just, it's just great. Like she's, she's sister of traveling pants. I guess that also kind of made yeah. her, uh, gave her some crossover uh, exposure. Uh, yeah. I just, I just love America Ferrera. She just, you know, uh, superstore, superstore. I don't even watch it anymore, but superstore yeah. really well. So definitely. Yeah. Fun fact. Um, Ugly Betty is actually a remake of a, Mexican um, novella, a telenovela. And yes. It was also, a, they also did like a Colombian remake. So that's very much in the vein of, you know, seeing more Latinx out in the world and, and the entertainment industry. Like yeah. mainstream drinking for that one. Drink, yep. Yep. Beer up. Yeah. And actually, and yeah, yeah, Ugly Betty, I think, created or adapted by Sylvia Horta, may RIP. Yeah. And also, I mean, actually, I know someone who used to work for him. He's, not a great boss to work for, but um, <laughs> he's just not. But uh, and, you know, you don't want to be guilty of the dead, but whatever, it's the truth. Uh, but he uh, also uh, he showed up in like the producer credits in P Valley. Oh, oh like, really? You had someone to live for, Sylvia. What's going on? What happened? Wow. I mean, yeah, and uh, full circle, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> he, I mean, it, it's wild that you know he's he you know passed away I guess a year ago, or whatever, but he's still getting credits and his family's probably still wow. getting the occasional check. So good for them. Uh, all right. Good, good. Second pick. My second pick will be, yeah, maybe it's not like the most obvious one, but I like it. Uh, Quinceanera. Have you ever seen Ooh, this? No, I didn't see it. I was really trying to cram a bunch of things that I haven't seen. And I think I need to give that one a rewatch. And why can I, I swear I can't spell this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not a Mexican-American girl, but, you know, actually, I asked my mom, I was like, mom, do, do, uh, do Panamanian, you know, girls have uh, quinceañera? She's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Did you have one? She's like, no, we were poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my mom is like one of eight. They didn't have one either. Uh, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. What is with big beautiful. families? <laughs> My mom is also one of eight, but you know it's like spread over like, you know, three or four different parents. But it's mm -hmm. still it's still like a core group of five. It's like, goodness gracious! I mean, I tried to do my family tree for a seventh grade anthropology class, and nothing connected. I gave up. It was so nothing bad. worked. <laughs> those, those good white teachers at the private school <laughs> were like, "Why doesn't his lines connect?" You're like, oh, yeah, I can't go anything further than my maternal like my grandparents i don't i don't know anything else before yeah. that yeah for real but yeah quinceanera was, was great gave us emily rios still working today i'm not sure if you've seen the show snowfall on fx i think it got renewed for a fourth season she's on that she's Ooh, okay um and no just and actually so i don't mess this up i will quote this from someone who wrote this on the website another great film uh uh, called Quinceanera, which is about a young Latina girl who becomes pregnant and is sent to live with her uncle and gay cholo cousin. It's oh, a really wow. good movie. Yeah, exactly. It's a really good movie depicting everyday struggles with teens and adults. And she goes on to say, it was the first movie I saw with a gay character in it, and it really made me feel okay about being Latino and gay. From Blackpink, yeah. Fasciana. Here's to that one. And, and and actually, the thing I remember most about Quinceanera, I mean, I do remember the I, I do remember the the cousin part a little bit, but the thing I remember most is that 
it really gave me a look into East LA because I saw this in like an indie theater in LA and I lived on the, I'm not sure if you're familiar with LA's layout at all, but I lived like on oh. kind of like the West side of LA ish. Okay. And, and I mean, LA is so big. I mean, there's something like, I don't know, 50, 60 little bedroom communities, whatever, little municipalities and stuff like that. Actually one day I just took a drive to the East part of of LA, of Los Angeles County, just to see these different, you know, municipalities, Montebello, oh, a bunch of Asians here, a bunch of, you know, I mean, there's all these, you know, a bunch of Mexicans here, a bunch of El Salvadorians, it's like all these little pockets of different people. And this really kind of gave me an insight into, into East LA, which, I mean, I had no real natural ties to the area. So I really liked kind of like the slice of life, uh, seeing, you know, how, how the other side of town lives and, you know, just the great performances and the general humanity of it all. Nice. I will put that on my list as well. Yeah. And Emily Rios, this, I think this might've been her first film, but she was great. Like she definitely stood out. I want to see more of her. And thankfully she's had, I mean, you know, it, it could be hard for people of color in this industry, but she's had a, a decent enough career. Like she pops up where you kind of least expect her. Yeah. True detective nice. scandal for a couple episodes. Yeah. So love yeah. to see it. You lo- you'd, you'd love to see you'd love it. Love to see it. Yeah. All right. What's your next film? Um, I have tortilla soup. Oh, yeah. I, did I? I remember seeing this, but I don't remember anything about it. I actually saw it. I think I saw a screener of it in the same year. So tell really? us about tortilla soup. Cool. Mm. For those who want to see it, it's on YouTube for free with ads. So, but like whatever. <laughs> um, I don't remember what year it came out, but it's two thousand one. Two thousand one. Yeah. It, actually an adaption of a Ang Lee movie called Man Woman um I don't know Man Woman Food something I don't know (laughs) it's just like four words it's obviously not in English um but it's an adaption of that and it's about um a father who's a chef and he's never tired and he lives with his three um his three daughters all grown up um and it's kind of like a slice of life just um them trying to navigate their lives like each daughter has like something missing in their lives like one daughter is a school teacher but she's like in her 30s and unmarried and you know that's just I guess a really big deal breaker for her and her family and um there's another daughter is um like working in the business industry but she just feels unfulfilled for some reason um and then there's the youngest daughter who is just having like her rebellious phase and it's just that tension between, you know, a wid- widowed father and these three daughters. And um, it's really great. It makes me feel really good. It's not like the most highbrow thing ever, but it's Mexican-Americans in like a middle class type of life that you don't really see at all for Latinx, like at all. You just always see us being played as like criminals or just, you know, you know, the standard, like, immigrant story or whatever, but they're, they're just living their life, and they're loving each other because they're family. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah, and this is a hell of a cast, too. Like, Hector Elizondo, he's... Stacked. A- it's a stacked cast. Stacked. Constance Marie. Oh, what? Where have you been, Constance Marie? I love I her. I love her. Oh, she's gorgeous and talented, and yet, yeah, Angie Lopez, George Lopez, wow. You know what's funny is that this is how, I mean... Age comes for us all. I can't wait to see you at my age. But uh, age comes for us all. But I guess there's like this whole, I, get, I was going to say this whole generation, I guess your generation, who says they're kind of raised on George Lopez reruns. Is that a thing? 
Yes, I did see a lot of George Lopez reruns on like Nick at Night. At like oh. late at night, I would be awoken by his theme song because I would leave the TV on. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I just see the jumping figures like underneath my cover. <laughs> but yeah, I did see a lot of those reruns. Wow. Oh, George I haven't thought about the show in years, but yeah, this. It was, I mean, it, but no, but it was, it was a fun show. I, I think I watched every episode when it, when it aired. Uh, and, of course, uh, I'm not sure how many people know this, but this was originally ushered in by Sandra Bullock. Really? She, she EP'd it. She's wow. the one who kind of ushered it into the, stu- into the studio or whatever, and, and into the, yeah, into the studio, and she helped get it made. She mm-hmm. actually, let's see, we should see, she should, like, she didn't write it or anything, but she was, mm-hmm. like, she was one of those. Credit somewhere. Yeah. But uh, yes, and, and actually, she made like I think she made one or two like kind of appearances on the show. Like, yeah, there it is, executive producer. Ooh, nice. She's down, man. Sandy's down. You know, she's she like kids. She's she, helping, you know, helping the yeah. Phoenix out. You know, yeah, she's she down. Hell yeah. Mm. George Lopez actually makes an appearance in Real Women Have Curves. Ah. He plays he plays Anna's like English teacher who like believes in her and tells her to. Um, apply to colleges. Yeah, she, Lopez. He's he's interesting. He um like his like I'm watching his latest stand up on Netflix. Actually, I think I'm gonna quit halfway through. It just wasn't funny to me. Um, yeah, and he had, he had been funny. He had been fu- he had been funny before. He's right. just not funny to me now. But uh, he was really good in in a a, a supporting role in. Oh, what, let me see if you can find that movie. It was. The one with uh, Tax Collector. There it is. The one with Shia LaBeouf. Really? I, I still can't believe Shia LaBeouf got all the way tatted. And I swear to you, I swear to you, he got his whole body tatted. And you only see it one time and you're not kidding all me. his body. You, you're kidding. You think that was just left on the editing room? Like all the other scenes with him shirtless? It has to be. He's wearing a suit the entire time. I'm, oh. I'm I mean. I, I'm, uh, oh, I love her, Chelsea Rendon. She's great. Yeah. Uh, she's oh, great. Vita. Ah, shout out to Vita. We could. I could probably spin off the entire podcast on 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 Vita or or contemporary uh, Latinx uh, you know TV show that I love. But yeah, she's in this. I mean, it was. I mean, it was kind of bonkers and batshit crazy. But mm-hmm. if you just kind of lean into it, it's actually a pretty good time. <laughs> but yeah, he's in. He's in this, and uh, George Lopez is in this, and it's just, and also another one of those. Um, well, actually, now I think about it, this is my next movie. Damn it. Fuck it. Yeah. Why not? I wasn't going to go with this, but since we're here, since we're cul-de-sacking, I'm going to steer into the skid. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, I mean, it's not a great movie, but the lead isn't Shia LaBeouf, like, at all. He's okay. actually uh, a secondary character. He's kind of like the best friend uh, role in this, whereas the lead is this guy named Bobby Soto. Are you familiar with Bobby Soto? Bobby Soto, no. Sounds familiar. But yeah, and he looks kind of familiar. I just don't know why I'd seen him before. But he's, mm-hmm. he's he's good. He plays so basically the tax collector is about two. I mean, it's kind of like what it sounds. They collect taxes for for this. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a Mexican American um, drug cartel. The leader oh. is behind bars, 
and it's kind of always kind of like taunting the manhood of, of you know, our boy Bobby here. Uh, it, the whole family's kind of in on it. Like his wife, you know, young, young, hot wife. She's kind of like the accountant uh, of, of the tax collections. And they just go around every day. Like, it, you know, it, so this is by David Ayer. Are you, you're familiar with him, right? Yes. Um, yes. And watch. Yeah. And, and it's funny, too, because I was, I, was, I was wondering, like, why is he? Why does he keep going yeah. into L.A. and into like Latino L.A.? And of course, you go through a few pictures and you see pretty damn quick. Where is the one in the red carpet? Ah, where to go? Ah, that's not it. Well, anyways, his his wife is like I think she's um a Latina of some sort. Oh. So that, so that totally makes sense. Like why he's you know I mean it, you know I I mean come tell stories of of all culture there but the fact that he's done like three or four just yeah. it's, I felt felt was like kind of special right it makes mm-hmm. sense like, you know he's he's in the life to an extent so yeah. anyways they go around collecting taxes for this uh drug cartel and of course shit goes awry or in this new this new cartels on the scene they're kind of battling for turf and things go haywire but it's really cool because uh, because it is very much, you know, it, it partly slice of life. Like there is a very normal side to this family, but then it's also like gangster shoot them up, super machismo, <laughs> David Ayer bullshit, and, and a lot of the David Ayer bullshit. Like think of Training Day meets uh, End of Watch meets I don't know Kitsunier. I don't. Know. I mean, you really, you really see it. You, there's actually a Kitsunier in like, the third act, so why not? Oh my god. Okay. It, it's it's fun. It's it's not. I mean, I think it got some like really bad reviews, but I, you know, but the audiences in in our game at least really liked it. So it, it, it's worth your time. It, it's not bad. Oh, and and there's this woman, Cheyenne Ray Hernandez. She mm. goes by Mangata. This first look at this, first look at this fit right here. Nice. I mean, thigh highs tied with the, with the silencer long. I mean, and look at that and that's just like she's bring and she brings total badass energy. I'd watch it just for her. She's fine as all get out and also having a great time. And yeah, I want to see more of her. She's great. Look at mm-hmm. oh my gosh, look at her. She's great. All right. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. Yeah, I guess we steered into that was my third movie by accident. <laughs> What's your third? <laughs> um, my other pick is this is on Netflix. It's Latin history, Latin history for morons by John Leguizamo. I like that. Yeah, like you watched that. it? Yeah. yeah. Did I watch it? Of course I watched it. You see something in the Latin history and yeah. it's on Netflix and it's something I can have on my third monitor while I'm working on other stuff. Sure, Perfect. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, um, go ahead and tell us about uh, John Leguizamo's Latin history for morons. So it's this one, um, one man play and it was just filmed. Um, John Leguizamo is actually Colombian. Um, I think his parents are from Bogota. Um, and it just is about, he's a father now. So it's about how he realizes his kid is getting bullied at school and he goes to like this private school. So he's like probably the only brown kid there. Um, and he comes to realize that like, he doesn't really know a lot about, um, and history because his kid, his son gets an assignment of just like finding, um, a historical figure from your culture, from your, you know, from your roots to, shared the class and his kid has like no idea who to pick because you know you never really taught any cool history about us so he kind of just goes on this like father fatherly love journey of just trying to read all there is about land history and how um how 
South America and Latin America just came to be. He goes through like the indigenous cultures and how they got conquered and just kind of goes on a tangent. And it's really great. He's really fun and energetic. Um, and everything is just made with like his fatherly love. And he just wants the best for his kid. And it was a really good watch. And I hope everyone watches it. Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And actually, let's do a genuine cultural cul-de-sac here. So. Okay. So your background is Colombian, right? Like you're actually yes. from Colombia, the country, right? Um, I was born here. My parents came to the U.S. in uh, 1990 with my brother, and he was two. So oh. I'm, I'm a first-gen Colombian. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, cool. So actually, even better for my second question. My second question is, so when you were growing up, and I and you're like on the East Coast, right? Like you grew up in the yes. Northeast, right? So when it came to any kind of Latin history, if any, what what were like the highlights that you learned? Because for example, when you have the Black history, first of all, you get the really condescending shortest month of the year, February, mm -hmm. and then when they pretend to care about you for a month, whatever, fine. But then it'd always be like, Slavery, civil rights, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, no, seriously. Well, well, I mean, at least, no, at yeah. least in public school. At least it wasn't public school. So what was, I mean, was there an equivalent? Like, what would, what would be the things that they would cover in school for you, if, if anything at all, when it came to Latin history? Um, I think the biggest is just Frida Kahlo in, like, art class when really? I was in elementary school, just because she was also a woman painter and latino so they're like cool two birds with one stone let's go with that um that's honestly about it um i'm trying to think i know latin american history month is like in september and but that's like kind of newer i think to me i guess right. when i was in school that wasn't really taught or celebrated or anything um and if anything it was just um you know, Mexican, Mexican history, which is great, like all for it. But, you know, something I really, I couldn't relate to personally. But yeah, nothing really. Yeah, no, I, I was just curious. I mean, yeah. see if, especially, you know, it, in, you know, later generations, if the education had, you know, gotten better at all. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's that learned. I live in mass. It's just a bunch of white people. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. I mean, and I I grew up in Seattle, and you know, same same thing. But I found it fascinating in retrospect now that it wasn't until I went to you know the hoity-toity private you know Lily White uh, High School uh, that I went to, Bill Gates alma mater, Lakeside, where mm. I was exposed to the Harlem Renaissance for year English. Like we did a whole wow. unit, not just like a day or a week. We did a whole unit with people awesome. projects. Uh, that's how I found out about Jacob Lawrence stuff like that from Dr. Judy Lightfoot, white lady. So thank you, Dr. Lightfoot, wherever you are. Nice. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my fourth movie. All right, this one might be on your radar, so I'm going to take it off the board. Maria Full of Grace. Oh, I, I, I thought that wasn't eligible. Is it eligible? Well, because she comes, because she actually comes to America. You're right. And, I just think of like, it as a Colombian film. You're right. Yeah, the second half of it takes place in America, and actually, the most depressing half of it takes place yeah. in America, from what I recall. This is a really good movie. I think I've seen it once or no, no, I've seen it once because it was so hardcore. And I'm like, you know what? I can't go through that again. Basically, as you can see in this picture, Maria, played by Catalina Sandino Moreno, 
Uh, also, you know, pretty, I mean, I want to see her in more things, at least more English language language things. Same. But yeah, but she's you know, she's great. This is first my first exposure to this. I think she was nominated for an Oscar for this. And basically, yeah, she was. Plays, yeah, she was. Yeah, exactly. She was. She was. Um, she basically plays a young woman trying to get out of you know, uh, you know, kind of. I'm not, it's not war torn, but I guess you know, drug cartel warring or whatever. Uh, Colombia and and her only route out is as a drug mule. And so you know, uh, so basically, they make her swallow all these you know these wrapped. Uh, loosely wrapped uh, vials yeah. of, uh, not, not vials, but little packets of, of cocaine, and one of them ruptures in her stomach. It's grossing me out to see what talking yeah. about, it, but it was so powerful. It was so yeah. powerful. Because you want to get to America that bad, and this is kind of like the cost, and and then once you get to America, and, and you know, and, and tries to get established, it's just like a whole other set of challenges as an immigrant with, you know, little command of the language. It's just, oh God, it's so sad. It was so yeah. good. It was so good. It's kind of like a pride in Columbia, that movie. Um, yeah. that I that's you know, that's just the story of countless women and people who, you know, would do anything to come here to America and just try to do something better. Um, whether it's, you know, being a drug mule or crossing the border and, you know, spending thousands of dollars doing that. Um yeah, it's a it's a really great movie. It's a really horrible situation to be in, and um, yeah, like I don't know what else to say. It's close to home. Yeah, no, and and actually, I want to. What is she? You know, quick cultural cul-de-sac or aside, real quick. I want to. What has she done lately? I've never, I think I've seen she's her. Done. Um, she's done. I think it's called Birds of Paradise in English. I saw it. It's, I think it's on HBO. It's a, I'm blanking on the director's name, but it's a movie about, it's like an intergenerational movie about this indigenous um, tribe in Colombia, actually, who hmm. um, take advantage of the upcoming like drug um, trafficking situation up in the, up in the coast of Colombia during the early nineties and um, during the, 80s early 90s and um and it's just i don't know i guess a good description would be like an indigenous godfather movie oh. in the sense that it's just like this empire being built and trying to manage tradition is this a movie or a tv series it's a movie and it's oh. uh, I, I think it's called birds of paradise it's really good it's long um they really took the time to cast indigenous actors, use the actual indigenous language. Um, and it's beautiful to look at. It's directed by like this um, husband wife duo. I'm blanking on their names, but they're Colombian and she is like one of the main stars in it. And oh. it's great. It's just- Stranger in Paradise, is that it? Mm, no, let me think. Yes. I'm gonna Google. Okay. Yeah, and actually, uh, uh, yeah, I do remember seeing her in A Most Violent Year. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> another another hidden Latino, uh, uh, our boy Oscar Isaac. It's called Birds. Yeah, yeah, I love Oscar Isaac. I can talk about him forever. I could look at his face forever. <laughs> um, it's called Birds of Passage. Birds of Passage? Um, this sounds familiar. Why am I? And is she, it, are you sure she's in it, right? Yes. Because I love the MDB. Huh. 
That's weird. Mastery Nation birds, birds of passion. Let me look that up. At passage, P A S S A G E. Birds of passage. All right, 2018. Uh, yeah. Oh, she must be like uh, uncredited or something. I, don't I see guess. Her. I don't know. I did remember seeing her face. Okay. Um, and it's it's really cool. Okay. Check it out. All right. Add that to the list. All right, so what is your final pick, Stevie? My final pick is a um, it's a short film. It's from 1969. Wow. Um, it's on YouTube. No, I got, I've got a I've got a, a Scotsman you should meet. Yeah, he's always <laughs> Mar- my boy Marty. I don't know if you've seen those uh, those episodes of the pod when he comes on with his great Scottish brogue and everything, and he's just always going in into the, the black and whites and in the crates. That's so or- funny. Um, no, I really like went deep into this. I really wanted to see things that I haven't seen before. Um, okay. It's called Yo Soy Joaquin. It's on YouTube. It's 20 minutes. Um, it's basically just a dramatic reading of an epic poem of the same name. It's that one right there. Um, and it was made in like the height of the Chicano movement. And it's directed by Luis Valdez, who also directed um, La Bamba. Oh, okay. You say, I think you, I think everyone's seen that or any Latino. Yeah, it's it, on my list. I was going to use it unless I had to, but it's, it's on my list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and it's basically this epic um, poem on the the history of Mexican Americans and Mexicans um, from like the Aztecs and the Mayans all the way to you know now the Chicano movement in the '60s of just working in the fields and um struggling to be accepted respected um in america and for all the contributions that they've done to this country and it's great it's just a lot of powerful images it's just kind of pairing images with the poem basically but it's really good it was a fun it was a fun watch i learned that um the chicano theater like would bring a projector to um, fields like in California to just show the movie to field workers, like um, farm workers in during the Chicano movement to just kind of like as a solidarity move or something. I don't know. It was really cool, cool history about it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that is really important too, that a lot of, you know, a lot of like the workers' rights, you know, struggle in America has been tied to, you know, Chicano farm workers. Yes. So, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. All right, good stuff. My final one, and I struggled choosing which one because there's, you know, I guess I'm going to cheat. Honorable mention, see nombre. Honorable mention, uh, <laughs> uh, a day without a Mexican, which nice. actually isn't that great a film, but I love the high concept of it. Another kind of alt history type thing. Well, I actually, it's not even alt history history but like when someone wakes up one day and they're like no more mexicans in america so then you know commerce breaks down you know no one you know no one's picking you know any of the fruit in the fields and people mm-hmm. are, are gone like just like vanished and so white people lose their shit it was great uh and so it's, but i don't remember nearly enough about it but i do remember enough about border count to recommend that and this one mm-hmm. and uh, this is okay now that's the this is, I'm talking about, yeah, here we go. 2007. Oh. Have you seen this, Stevie? Oh my God, no. 
This yeah, Martin Sheen actually playing his Mexican ass self. Can you imagine? Oh I love it. You love to see it. You love to see, you love to see it. <laughs> actually, I've been seeing it. I've uh, introduced Mom to the West Wing. We're slowly making our way through it. Nice. And it's you know, and and it's like you know, straight heat rocks. I mean, all the performances are great, and the writing's top notch. Aaron Sorkin, you know, probably uh, a season or two before he goes fully onto cocaine, but he's just like. <laughs> Pitching, pitching, you know, 100 miles an hour. Anyways, yes, Martin, uh, Martin Estevez, aka Martin Sheen, uh, out here in Border Town. But yeah, Jennifer Lopez plays a reporter who goes to the border. I think I believe it's like the the Texas Mexico border where there's a string of of uh, MERS young women, young factory women, and she's determined to get to the bottom of it and make America care. I think it's based on on the true story as well. Wow. Um, and it's 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 good. Like I I only saw it the one time. I believe I rented it on Netflix back when they still mailed up the DVDs. And it was good. I enjoyed it. And um, who's the guy? Uh, there's there's a guy in here who's kind of like her count. Antonio Banderas. Duh. Yes, Antonio. He's in this. Love him. Yeah, he's probably one of those actors who's got like 110 percent approval rating. Everyone loves Antonio Banderas. Yeah. He's yeah, so yeah, there he goes. Yeah. Give her the what for on the Mexican desert. Yeah. And she's, you know, and it's just like, it's one of those where I'm not, I mean, JLo's career has had, like, like most long running careers, hell, even my different careers. I mean, everyone's got like ebbs and flows in their careers, yeah. right? And this is probably one of the kind of the ebbs that's trying to turn into like a flow where, okay. where she's trying to be taken, you know, more as like a serious actor or whatever. I think she ditched. Uh, ben Affleck by this point, and she's really? trying to be like, yeah, she's trying to be like, you know, like she was with Mark. She was with Mark. Yeah, this time this, okay. this, this feels very Mark Antony-ish. Okay, uh, period of time, and yeah, because I think they were in something in 2007 together. Of, uh, I can't El Cantante. Yes, yes, yes. The uh, the biopic of Hector Lavoe, another salsa legend from. Puerto well, you know, yeah, I, I should have known you'd know it, Stevie. If it's salsa yeah. and historical, you're all over it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's my lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and and she and she's really good in this. It's it's kind of gritty, little grimy. There's zero sex appeal in this, really. And I and I dug it. She was she was good in it. She's nice. real acting, and I'm pretty sure they thought it would do better with the award circuit than it did but i don't think it won any like real awards which is too Dang, bad that sucks what's yeah. her what what does she does what does she do after this yeah okay let's take a quick uh like does it turn into a flow yeah yeah let's let's do let's do some donuts in her cul-de-sac real quick uh, 114 credits wow, wow. stack them well you know most a lot of them were, were music videos so yeah. like, look at that look at that 2000 look at it look at the early aughts this video 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 she was about that singer uh sometimes actor life yeah all these are videos the wedding oh, the wedding the planner. wedding planner oh. one of my favorite movies ever so good don't get me started um all right so yes yeah, so border town was 2007 2006 maybe el cantante yeah okay so mm-hmm. that's like the one where isn't this the movie where she met Mark Anthony and fell in love? Is that how it worked? I think that's how the story goes. I really have no idea. Okay, yeah, here it. Okay, yeah, so I was right. All right, so here's so Gili bombed. That's the one she did with, with Ben Affleck when they yeah. were better. And that kind of started leading up to their breakup. Jersey Girl had some aspirations, wasn't that great. Shall We Dance was we... love that. <laughs> Good. I saw it in the theater, and it was oh, like no. late August movies where no one's in the theater. Kind of, I'm, not, I'm not sure if they were dumping it, but no one knew what to do with that film. 
you got Richard Gere in it and her, and they're all trying to learn how to dance. And it just seemed too weird for for you know narrow minded people to market. But I loved it. I love I love a good dance movie. Um, yeah, that, that saw a bunch of reruns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm glad it's had an afterlife on yes. you know, cable somewhere. Monster in Law is, is kind of dumb, but fine. You know, mm-hmm. battling Jane Fonda and Unfinished Life. Nobody saw. I only watched I it. didn't see that. Well, it, it came, well, you're, you're, it's definitely before your time age-wise, but in the theaters, it came and went super quick. I had this, I only caught it as, as a part of a screener. That's back when I still got my NAACP Image Award screeners. And I remember liking it, but it's like kind of, is weird. It's like a pseudo western it's out in like mm-hmm. middle of nowhere on a ranch and a lot of talking about stuff so mm-hmm. yeah so this is so yeah so border town is so she's trying she's trying she gets back up. them three for her mm-hmm. not quite working out and then i think she and then more music videos and then then she goes the backup plan oh that didn't do anything either so she's she's ebbing here she's totally ebbing mm-hmm. But doing good work, though. Yeah, for sure. And doesn't kind of come out of it until... Yeah, even Parker was like, I liked her in Parker. I thought it could be the start of a franchise, but it's just kind of dumb action. Her and Jason Statham. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's ebbs for a while, man. Just music oh. videos. <laughs> tough look for my girl. Yeah, tough, tough. Where, where does, does she come out of it? She doesn't really... I mean, that Ice Age money, I guess, is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Get that cash. Yeah, get that cash. Yeah, Shades of Blue. Okay, that's what she kind of comes out of it. Oh, and I, yeah. And I like that show. I did not watch that show. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because on the face, it looks like a dumb network procedural, right? It gets grimy. Yeah. Ray Liotta plays a closeted, bisexual, hard-ass, ass-kicking cop wow. who has, like, a secret, you know, lover, an ongoing secret lover who, who he, whom he keeps from his totally straight wife and kids and he's, no, he's also a super dirty cop. It's worth your time, man. Give it like three okay. or four episodes. Because you go and think he's going to be a, a straight up procedural. It is not. It's just dirty cops grinding it the fuck up. I was okay. compelled. I was compelled. Alright, anyways, we're running long. That's my bad. But, uh, <laughs> That's okay. This is That's my final one. Good shit, Steph. Yeah. <laughs> And we're going to take a pause for the cause. For those of you who are new to the Cinema Draft podcast, who are listening at home, we're going to take a short break to bring you up to speed on what Cinema Draft, the game and the company is, as well as Draft Stream, what it's all about, and how the game is played. So we'll be back shortly, right after this. Movie theaters are on hiatus. But we here at Cinema Draft are not. Draft Stream is the streaming content version of the Cinema Draft game you know and love. Just like with Cinema Draft, you have a $100,000 salary cap for a 10-actor call sheet. No more, no less. But in this one, you have to have at least one of three types of actors for your 10-actor call sheet. Headliner, co-star, and day player. Scoring is based on a weighted average of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores plus audience and user scores. Headliners get a 40% bonus while co-stars receive a 20% bonus over day player points. There's a weekly minimum $50 prize pool shared by the top two non-Cinema Draft employee call sheets. 
or you can go low. Cinema Draft offers a minimum $10 lowball bonus to the lowest scoring call sheet of the week. To qualify, your call sheet must spend at least $75,000 of your budget, use at least one actor from three separate titles in the talent pool, and, of course, roster at least one headliner, co-star, and day player to your 10-actor call sheet. The game runs from Thursday evening to Monday afternoon with daily updates on Saturday and Sunday before final scoring after Monday, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Currently, we are alpha testing DraftStream in a rudimentary spreadsheet-based format while we work on adapting it for digital play. Tweaks happen almost weekly due to player feedback. We really need the data, so please help us out and play the game. A link to the most current talent pool is included in the podcast description. Please review the rules tab and submit your call sheet by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Thanks again for your help and good luck. And we're back. Yeah, you have to clap it up for yourself, Steph. Yeah. All right. So last week's quarantine movie of the week, let me share my screen was Jojo Rabbit. Hi, Jojo. Have you seen Jojo Rabbit, Steph? I haven't. Um, where is that available? Do I have to rent it? It is on, it's, it's on HBO. So check your oh, HBO. Oh, nice. Yeah. Big word. I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Um, that, was, that was fun. Uh, I was glad to see a couple of your, uh, you, you all's tweet length reviews at us. And this week's quarantine movie of the week will be Beirut. And this is the 2018 kind of, uh, not quite action, definitely political drama thriller starring John Hamm as kind of like a washed up alcoholic former U.S. diplomat who's kind of pressed back into duty under the care of a CIA field agent who is Rosamund Pike. Wow. I'm telling you, Rosamund Pike gets around. She shows up in the most unexpected places. She was great in this. I loved it. She's kind of like, you know, hard boiled CIA agent, whatever. I kind of bought it. Um, nice. John Hamm, you know, definitely, you know, dirtying it up as much as he can. He still has like a lantern jaw or whatever, but, you know, <laughs> alcoholic, washed up, fucks up, makes a bunch of dumb mistakes, but it's really great because he's not, and this is set in actually 1982 Beirut. So this is like starting to fall apart. Um, Beirut was, used to be known as like the, the Paris, of the Middle East, super cosmopolitan, Everyone's super educated, a lot of great universities, all sort of stuff. And then the infighting started and kind of, you know, went to hell in the handbasket, which is sad. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of like a bit of the aftermath of it. Um, and and seeing, you know, war term Be- Beirut and him being on the special diplomatic mission, trying to get it done at all costs. It, it's worth a watch. Or, or have you seen it? I'm sorry. Have you seen Beirut? I, I have not seen it. This has was not on my radar, um, but I saw it's on stars. I have stars. Yeah. So I'll give it. I'll give it a go. I. Yeah, those yeah. Those wow. Really. <laughs> yeah, totally go for. It. So that's that's gonna be the tweet. Uh, the sorry, that's gonna be the the Twitter and quarantine movie of the week. Make sure you send me your tweet length review at our Twitter account at Play Cinema Draft. Right, Chia, and we're actually going to break off into our next segment. <laughs> Time for the draft stream update, and we're doing something a little special this week. Since we had a very special winner 
a first-time winner last week, and I, I can't stop. I, I can't help but smile when I when I talk about this. It's it's the draft mom. She won. This is the first time she got a top five in the draft stream game. That's so she, good. She never won in even the cinema draft game with the movies. I mean, this was a historic first. I'm so proud of her. So we're actually going to take another pause for the cause and do a special interview that we had with the draft mom that I'm going to get it into our live stream. So we'll be right back after our mini interview with Brown Baby, a.k.a. the draft mom. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody. It's Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the Cinema Draft Game giving a most unexpected emergency interview with our hero and champion of the hour, the one and only Brown Baby, a.k.a. The Draft Mom. Hello, Mother. How are you doing tonight? Absolutely, Peachy King. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason why she's doing so Peachy King, everyone, (laughs) is that she was the improbable winner of this week's draft stream contest. Matter of fact, let me share with you her handiwork. And mom, first of all, how does it feel to be atop the draft stream standings for the first time ever? I felt I feel like those stars that uh, feel so happy to be called their name be called to win the Academy Award. That's how I feel. Okay. I, I could never ever think that I was going to be amongst the winners in your game. Now, now, why is that? I mean, I, I mean, I've seen how hard you work on, on your call sheets. Why do you think you could never become one of the winners? Because it seemed to me that my taste, along with my research, didn't always match up, as you well know. Well, let's take a look at your call sheet here. And can you walk us through how you arrived at this call sheet, which was just about 20 points or so off of the perfect call sheet. Well, I knew that documentaries are a big thing. Uh, and Netflix is very well, you know, very well watched, um, according to my research. Okay. And so I thought, well, you know, I think that I'm going to and see if I could be on, on the winning side this time. I think I was thinking there were a lot of people that would uh, be watching that documentary. And so I selected that. And I'm talking about the um, the Phoenix one. Rising Phoenix, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So usually when I, I, I think that I'm okay, I, I pick more than just the headliner. You know, I as you call it, a pack of winners. You mean an optimal stack, right? Well, you know, in this case, an optimal stack for those of you who are who are new to the game is two headliners, a co-star, and a day player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, I continued on my research, and I was just looking at it, and oftentimes I think, well, who would want to watch this, or who would want to watch that. And um, I usually go through my call sheet and narrow it down to about four or five, uh, you know, headliners that I would think that it it might be popular. And basically, that's kind of like what I did. Part Mm -hmm. of what I did. 
Well, you definitely bet on the right horses uh, this week. And for someone, I mean, it just goes to show that that while this game is definitely a skill-based game, you know, if you have the right strategy in the right week, anyone can win. You have gone from not once being top five in this game to outright winning this week in stunning fashion. And and we saw your you grow throughout the week. I think you started off around eighth on on Thursday, and then and then I think you were what was I think you were like fourth or fifth mm. Saturday, and then Sunday you were in first. It was like oh. That woke me up. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't believe it. I still can't believe that I actually won. And I, I never thought I would, you know. Yes, we're very very proud of you over here, Mom. And so what do you, what are your initial thoughts on the talent pool for this week? And any well, titles or 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 salaries you're on the lookout for this week? What 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 do you have what what advice can you give to all the non winners out there? Well, if I give advice, then they'll win and I won't. <laughs> Touche. Uh, and I was, I was going to ask you some more about your process, but it seems like you're keeping that very, fairly close to the, to the vest, which is fair enough. I mean, you did win for the first time, so I don't mind you being a little – guarding your secrets jealously. Um, so any anything you want to say to your adoring fans out there, you're quite popular with the Cinema Draft and Draft Stream set, Draft Bomb. Oh really? Oh, okay. I'll take that. My, uh, uh, should I start a fan club or something? Oh, <laughs> wow! That one win has gone straight to her head. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sure quite there yet. Although, if you do have any fan mail, I'm sure we can set up an email account for you. <laughs> uh, anything you want? Any any piece of advice or words of encouragement you want to give to the other draft stream players playing this week as a first time winner yourself? Well, um, all I have to say is that any age can play this game. Obviously I thought I was just too old for my brain to work uh, well, but I see that I'm not. <laughs> so that's right. Voila! And so, we've seen your progress over the weeks, and we're and we're very proud. It, it, it didn't happen overnight, exactly. You've been working up to this, right? No, yeah, it is. And you've been a very good mentor. You were there to answer questions. Some some of them seem pretty dumb at times, I know, but uh, that's the way you learn, I guess. And um, I have to say thank you to you, also, dear son, that you you know you had some good hints and from that point on i just listened to what you said and tried to apply uh you know uh, apply the knowledge that you imparted to me and um here we are so what would you say is the one piece of coaching that's helped you the best in in becoming a better player research and uh, research well i i often will go to um uh, go to the call sheet themselves and look at the master call sheet and see uh, what, you know, from the, the talent pool, where the uh, movie or is opening, the TV uh, movie or whatever is platform. opening, mm-hmm. platform, yeah, uh, is opening. And uh, as you mentioned to me, uh, look at those platforms because they, they do help you know, uh, picking the winner because if it's a platform that not very many people 
know about and uh, there's something debut in there that sounds vague or you know ordinary chances are it's not gonna make it so yeah that's, that's, a, that's a good point we um uh we have access to uh the master score list as well which also is a good resource for for players to study what different platforms have done over the ages now now, the best way to do this, I'm not sure if you can do it directly. You might need to make a copy of it, but you can always sort the master score master score list by platform, by genre, and yeah. pretty much any column that's out there by type. And you can see, for example, say Apple TV Plus. You know, Apple TV Plus I like to say stands for quality. And you can do something like average out those scores as simple as typing in this type of formula, highlighting all the Apple TV Plus total scores right here, finishing out the formula and getting yourself an average, 95.65, which is an extremely high score for an average from one platform in this game. So little stuff like that you can do to kind of aid your research if you're kind of close on a couple titles and don't know exactly you know what to choose from or trying to figure out with very little information which you know, what type of either genre or, or, or platform of a title you want to go with. That's always helpful. And, and one thing I like to do, if possible, I usually like to fill out my call sheets on Thursdays when most information that we're going to get before game lock is available. And then I'll actually manually fill out all these different scores as they are at the time and try to make some educated guesses off that. Have you found well, that? that's kind of like what I do. Yeah. Okay. I do. I, I like that, but I don't get into the mathematical thing that you do. So um, it seem a little bit too much for me. What okay, I do. What I do. What I do do is that I do do the master call sheet, and I look at uh, whatever it is that I think that I want to put down um, as a movie. I look at that particular the, the score sheet and see. Like for example, Netflix, how many documentaries do they have, and how high did they score on the the particular documentary? I mean, I do the math, but I can look when I um when I put it, you know, what, what do you call it? Um, manipulate the call sheet. Okay. When I manipulate the call sheet, and all of Netflix stuff comes up, and I look at how many documentaries there are, and what the score was, I could tell basically whether or not it's really a documentary that possibly could make it. Oh, oh, wow. Actually, wow, that's something I didn't even do last week myself. I'm looking now at Netflix documentaries and 111. Right, exactly. Wow, yeah. <laughs> wow. mom with the cheat code here. Uh, that's well played. Not a ton of Netflix documentaries, but the ones they have done pretty well. Now here's what exactly. done, only because it didn't open the week that it was listed on this game. Like they they kind of mm -hmm. head faked this and end up releasing it like a month later. But mm -hmm. generally, yeah, Netflix documentaries have been pretty golden. I totally overlooked that. Well played, uh, uh, Draft Mom. Well played. Thank you, son. <laughs> all right. Okay. So yeah. So all right. We'll 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 wrap it up here. But. Um, any any final thing you want to say about either the game or the experience or you know anything parting to the people who are playing or thinking about I think it's fun. I, I I think it's fun. It's been a little bit tedious for me because it's taken me a while to really uh, do my research. 
I, I did follow your uh, suggestion as to not to play the game until Thursday. Uh, and you're right, because I was starting as soon as I got the talent pool, and I'll be just agonizing over it. And I find I don't have to do that. I can wait till Thursday and fill out my caution. There you go. All right. Well, you've heard it here first. Tips from a winner. <laughs> fill your call sheets out on Thursday. Do some research. Make use of the master score list, which you can find in every call sheet uh, weekend game right here on the scoring tab. Down here towards the bottom, the master score list link will always be there. And also previous contest results always at your disposal if you want to check them out. And, and, and I'm sorry, you can't even see the screen I was showing. Let me show it real quick. There we go. So you can find the master score list link to that here on the scoring tab. Click that. And it'll take you to the master score list. And you can use that as a helpful research tool. Also, wait until Thursday to, to fill out your call sheets so that the most available information that you're going to get before game lock is available. And I don't know, be like the draft mom. Persevere. We lovingly called her our mascot because she tried so hard, always put in her research, just tried so hard and never quite got there. And today, this or this week was her, or last week was her week. This week, it could be your week. So thanks for playing, Draft Mom. Go Claudette. <laughs> yes, go Brown Baby. All right. So that's that's it here. Signing off with the Draft Mom. And we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. And we'll talk to you all later. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Yes. So I hope you all enjoyed those words of wisdom from the draft mom. She's very pleased with her win. Hopefully we'll see if she can defend her title this week. But good folks like you, Steph, are coming for her. And so let's take a look at the talent pool for this week. And so in this week's talent pool, have you had a chance to take a look at it? Any initial thoughts on the talent pool or, or the actors or anything in it? I haven't. Um, I know Mulan probably will be big. Yes. Um, I've a lot of um, foreign or international releases have I've I think have been doing pretty well in the past, or like the past two weeks or something. So maybe I'll look for something in that vein for this week. Um, yeah, I don't really know. Well, my first thought, and I mentioned this on the on the the final results wrap-up pod in Town Pool Preview was that there's almost too much stuff to watch. I, there's literally eight things in this Town Pool I legitimately want to watch. AP Bio Season 3. That's a great show. Uh, Anthony seems interesting, and it's also, uh, I think it's like a BBC movie. Uh, it's got oh. an interesting premise. Away. Ah, space. space! Space! Space is back, Steph. So, yeah, I'm very, I'm very into that. Um... Bad Boy Billionaires of India drops tonight. Wow. 12 p.m. Pacific. Can't wait. I'll probably have that on the third screen while I'm uh, while I'm editing up this video. <laughs> Looking forward <laughs> to that. I mean, uh, uh, watch the trailer for Bad Boy Billionaires India. Tell me you aren't. Okay. It, it's really good. Okay. It's I'll give really, it a shot. They, 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 they on some shit in, in India. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
I mean, this this is the top half. Of, I mean, love and it's Gary dropping on like, Netflix. Yes, 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 yes. It's gonna be wild. So that love guaranteed, which doesn't even look like it's gonna be that great, but it's got Damon Wayans Jr., who I love. It's mm. set in Seattle, but filmed in Vancouver. Don't even get me started. <laughs> so, but but uh, and it's and Rachel Lee Cook. She's been like MIA for a grip. So I'm I'm into that. What's she been doing real quick? She's been Robot Chicken. Okay, so we don't see her. Oh shit! She did that for a while. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, that. Uh, okay, with fifteen episodes over that stretch. So okay, but yeah. So yeah, little stuff. TV movies. So yeah. So I'm interested to see. You know, is this a renaissance? Rachel Lee Cook. I don't know, but she had a moment. Definitely before your time. Honestly, probably before you were even born. She's was it? She's all that was kind of like her breakout. Um, yeah, movie. I saw that. Um, I think that's the only thing I've seen with her in it. I did not watch Dawson Dawson's Creek. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she, I mean, she's been like, I'm not sure if she's making a comeback per se, but she went from leading lady, you know, Josie the Pussycats type stuff mm-hmm. to just totally, totally kind of like either sideline or TV or bash TV back when b- being bash TV was actually a thing. Now TV is like cool again, but you know, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I'm interested to see what she has <clears throat> to, to do and love guaranteed. This is probably another one of those half hour movies where I'll give it a half hour. Win me over in a half hour and I'll finish it out. If not, I'll move on. But I like him a lot. So I, I might actually end up watching the whole thing. So, yeah, so the boundaries that you set, set, your, set for yourself. Well, I mean, it's not as much boundaries, but it's like time management. Like, yeah. I mean, yes, it's part of my job to watch this stuff or be aware of this, the, these things, whatever. It definitely helps when I'm making salary because if I've remotely heard of you, you know, I'll adjust salary accordingly. But I mean, I, I'm curious. I, I, love, I love a good rom-com. Netflix definitely has, you know, taken up that kind of corner. The mm-hmm. I mean, rom-coms I didn't think I'd like at all, like set it up were great. So you never know. And, and that's how I enjoyed Eurovision. I get, I was like, this is definitely a half hour. This is like some bullshit. And I loved it. The elves went too far. I, it's so good. <laughs> Have you seen Eurovision stuff? No, I haven't. I think we're, I'm putting it, I think we're going to do it for like a family movie night. You um, would love it. It's so adorable. And Rachel McAdams always commits. She nice. always commits to the bit. So You're yeah. right. Yeah, so between that, Mulan, definitely going to watch. Knots mm-hmm. and Cross. Yo, do you watch Power? Are you a powerhead? No, I'm not a powerhead. Man. There's yeah, so I mean, much content to keep up. I just got to succession. It's on stars. It's on You're stars. right. Hey, look, I did, I did Outlander for you. You should do Power for me. That, All right, I'll do like it. Six seasons, 13 episodes each-ish. It's some shit, man. I mean, all I'm going to say is you watch... Well, you know what? This is how I do most shows that I'm new to. I'll give it three episodes. I give Lovecraft three episodes. I'm out. I gave Ted Lasso actually four episodes. I'm actually out on Ted Lasso three oh. episodes, but the fourth episode was so good. I am all the way back in. Give <laughs> give power, uh, and this is the sequel, Power Book Two, Ghost. Ghost. Give give power three episodes, and if you're not all the way in, then then that's fine. But Courtney A. Kemp, her her bona fides are like um, she worked on The Good Wife for a few seasons. Oh, wow. She worked on um, what was it Roswell? I think. Uh, Hawaii Five O, Beating the Bee, Power, yeah, and then then she got her own show, Power, and this is and this show is so good, it's got its own universe. These are all sequel shows spun off from now in a now extended Power universe. The the PEU, the Power Extended Universe, it's happening. They ju- this is out. They just greenlit uh, Power. They're actually switching them. This, it used to be Power. 
book five. Now it's gonna be power book four. Oh Force. my god! Uh, Tommy, the kind of the the white uh, co lead in power, he's getting his own series. Raising Canaan is actually, I think, in post production. I think so. That's actually coming out. It's a whole thing. So I'm give it three episodes. It's great. Okay. I mean, basically the, the the log line is this um this guy trying to get out of the life. Uh, oh, and you know this guy, Omari Hardwick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, he, there he is. He's he's trying to go legit, trying to be a straight businessman, whatever. But he has he got he's gotten all his money and power from drugs, and he's trying to get away from the street. Whereas his business partner Tommy, played by Joseph Sakura, this white dude right here, who's from the third season. Who, who end up in third season of uh, Ozark. Uh, he's gutter, gully, keeps the street. He basically, you know, the, the he, if you want to look at it to the wire, he's trying to be Stringer Bell. He's mm-hmm. definitely kind of on some Avon Barksdale shit, even though kind of like the power balance of the two, he's more like the Avon-esque CEO of the whole thing, whereas he's like the blunt instrument. Well, anyways, it's really good. And then, and then it all kind of gets set on its head when he runs into his old high school flame, uh, oh. and, and that's um that's our girl uh, Layla Loren. Woo! Wow. I've never seen her in anything before, but my God, she is a heat rock full yo know, at just gorgeous, yeah. charismatic, ballsy. She's she turns out to be an assistant district attorney who's actually investigating his street persona named Ghost, and she doesn't know that he's Ghost. And mm-hmm. asks, I mean, and then and then this is the wife. Who was in it? Who's like down like full flat tires? Knows the whole operation in and out. And then, of course, there's going to be tension within this love triangle here. But this picture is great. This is perfect. Nice. Season one uh, picture is per- actually this is a season two picture. This is perfect. You know, uh, Angie versus Tasha, kind of vying for his attention. Fifty Cent is the executive. Yeah, producer. I was about to say, is that Fifty Cent? <laughs> yeah, it plays a, a substantial role. This is Kanan, the guy who's in jail whose operation he took over. I mean, it's just wild. It's, 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 it's not quite melodrama, but shit happens fast. It really does. Okay. You like it. And I mean to culturally cul-de-sac us into this again, but it's, it's a fun show. So anyway, right. if you don't want to, you know, get all uh, KSK about it and be savage, just kind of drop into Power <laughs> Book 2 Ghost. It's a party. Why not, right? But it only Let's gives do it. power. It only gives way to <laughs> Uh, so that I'm definitely all over this. So there's too much stuff to watch, but I'm thinking of some sort of balanced strategy of, and the eight one one construction, eight headliners, one co-star, one day player has really dominated the last three weeks. We've had several, like like usually in weeks before, like maybe a month or so ago, we would have you know two, maybe three tops titles that are crossing over like a hundred, or would definitely separate themselves from the pack. But mm-hmm. out of the quality stepping up, or people are just just you know got corona brain or just like liking everything i don't know what it is but we're getting more inflated scores so now you're able to spread the love out more between different titles and you can take a diversified strategy that one week you had seven titles i thought was nuts but was actually kind of the right strategy so mm, this okay. is gonna be another one of those weekends where yeah i'm gonna have some exposure to away i might have some exposure to ap bio because in its third season we know what those scores are gonna be um uh, what else? Uh, Away, I think, might be hidden value here, giving away my whole strategy, whatever. Uh, because it's only eleven thousand. Hillary right. Spring might be a candidate for a an optimal stack: two headliners, a co-star, and a day player. Um, and then like a super sleeper. If you want to kind of go off the board, 
once again, Tyler Perry might get his, you know, his people involved, yeah. his, his his legion. They might come in and give him a 9.2. I, I still can't believe it was. So I'm, I'm not sure you followed the action from last week, but Tyler Perry's had a show that came out last week. Tyler Perry's assistant. No, Tyler Perry's Medea's farewell. There to show up play. This shit had a 10. One oh. person had one review as a 10 on Game Lock. On Saturday, five people had given it a 10. By Sunday, I think seven people still had it at 10. Oh my God. It wasn't until until the, the game went final that it actually got him down to a 9.2, but now it's up to a 9.4. Super that's small sample size. Nice to see. But, you know, whatever. It, that's how they roll. Yeah. Even, even the draft mom likes Tyler Perry, which, and I try to school into, into better choices. What are you going to do? <laughs> Tyler Perry Hive rise up, I guess. Yeah, his his fans are legion. So this might be like a super duper sleeper off the beaten path. If you if you're trying to to get some cheap value, you could do worse, I suppose. You could okay. Yeah. All right. So there we go. I clicked the button. It didn't air horn. All right. (laughs) There we go. So we need to bring this in for a landing. My beloved Golden Knights are playing as we speak. That's hockey. Sticks. Uh, we're about to close these suckers out from <laughs> from Vancouver, and and not to cut our time short, but you've been an absolutely wonderful guest, Steph Lovey. Give you. yourself a hand. We'll have to get little Stevie back in the house in a future podcast. We appreciate you. Uh, it's time of the pod where we actually ask you to plug your ish. Any, any ish you want to plug, Steph? Ooh, I have no ish. I have no time for ish. I'm still in school. Um, oh, what are you in school for? Um, chemistry. Oh, okay. Well, smarty yeah. uh, What um, what do you want to? Uh, do you want to plug your school? Do you like your school, or they get they get no free plugs? Um, no free plugs. No, they already have my money. That's enough. That's enough. No free ad. <laughs> and you can't even go to the campus dance. It's like a Zoom instruction, right? I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. No free plugs. Well, anyways, thanks everybody for watching. Thanks for listening. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure you get your call sheets in at 6 p.m. Pacific time Thursday. We have three entries again this week. We have a $25 perfect call sheet bonus, which got matched this week. Shout nice. out to the homie Gamble24x7. He is now the owner of a matched perfect call sheet and a matched perfect lowball call sheet. He's a man of he's a man of many talents. So go for the high, go for the low, go for that free cash. Thirty-five dollars the first, fifteen dollars the second for the top two non-Cinema Draft affiliated call sheets, and also a ten-dollar low ball bonus if you're going for the lowest qualifying score. We're gonna get out of here. Thanks everybody for watching, and listening. We'll be back next week with another great guest, another top five. We'll see you all later. Thanks, Thanks. for playing, everybody. Thanks Bye. for watching. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter at Play Cinema Draft, Facebook Cinema Draft, Instagram at Play Cinema Draft, Medium at Cinema Draft, that is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcast from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games 
where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.